What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, the podcast where we discuss issues that impact the black and millennial communities, all while having a good drink. Today, I am drinking M. Chevalier Carte Nore. Um, it is a brute champagne, or excuse me, it's a brute sparkling wine. Very good. Um, and actually, I am drinking it out of my salute champagne flute. Um, from UNCG Alumni Association. Quick shout out to all the Spartans and everyone else across the country who graduated this weekend or will graduate in the weekends to come. I know this is a very unusual time for you all and you're not able to celebrate in the way you thought you would when you entered college in 2016 or before or after, whenever you did. I know you know, I was on a five-year plan. Some of you probably are on a five-year, six, seven, eight, nine-year plan. But I know that you envisioned yourself graduating in a traditional fashion and it's not happening this year. That does not devalue your degree. I hope that you had a great experience, whether you were at UNCG or another institution across this nation or any nation, but yeah, shout out to y'all. You made it. People are proud. You've accomplished something that many others have not accomplished. And for that, I take my hat off to you, but let's jump into today's topic. Today, I want to focus on the violence against black people in this nation and what needs to be done in order to improve the the conditions of black and brown people in the United States of America. So I'm sure that many of you heard about, saw video of, are aware of the shooting of Ahmad Arbery in um, in Georgia. It happened in February, right? So I actually, I've gotten to the point in my interaction with um, with the media that I just can't and don't post or speak on every shooting of a black man, woman, or child that I see because it's exhausting. Being a black man in America, an educated and aware black man who continues to work to educate himself, I can get exhausted if I expend energy every time I hear a brother or sister or a a young person is killed by someone who likely won't be held responsible, be it a police officer or just a citizen. So I really can't, or choose not to expend that energy because the level of stress that it would cause me would put me in an early grave as it did my father. Um, and I'm not saying that it was because of any kind of civil rights activism that my dad passed before he turned 55. But I am saying that the level of stress that we deal with as African Americans is comp- comparable to no one in this country you know white men might complain because they have it hard because affirmative action isn't working in their um in in their favor white women might have it hard they say because they're dealing with you know the oppression of white men but black men and black women in america having to constantly see our bodies paraded on social media and mainstream media outlets lifelessly, that's a trauma that 
no one, brown, white, Asian, no one else has had to deal with. We are paraded in the media space to the point that I think I see more black dead people online than I see animals that have been hunted. And what's what's worse, because a lot of people will bring up the fact, well, black on black violence and black on black murder is very high as well. Okay, cool. Usually murders happen within communal proximity. So white on white violence isn't something you hear about regularly, but white people are more likely to be killed by white people. Black people are more likely to be killed by black people. Statistically, it makes sense. If I'm in your community, I'm more likely to have access to inflict harm on you. So kill the black on black crime narrative. What I want to talk about is why did it take two months? Because this the incident happened in February. So why did it take two months and the media to get involved in order to have the government do what it was supposed to do? Because these men weren't charged prior to that. So that that's that's that aspect of it. And it's not just going to be about Ahmaud Arbery. Um, there's another case that I recently learned about and want to bring up. And I'm not right all the time. I'm not a legal expert. I saw a video of a man walking into an unoccupied home and they're claiming that it was Ahmaud Arbery. If that was the case, so be it. I don't give a damn. That man shouldn't have lost his life for walking into an empty house and not threatening anyone's life. And if you think he should have, I hope that, no, you know what? If you think he should have, you really need to reevaluate your moral compass because someone entering an unoccupied home and not threatening anyone's livelihood is not a death sentence. And for it to have become that speaks to the moral fabric of the United States of America. I am a young black man with a degree um, who has seven, maybe seven, eight suits in my closet, four times as many dress shirts and six times as many neckties or bow ties. And I still have to wonder if I will make it home every day because maybe I went six miles above the speed limit. And while you say, well, you shouldn't have been speeding do white men or white women have to think that way? I think we have a problem in this nation with black people because the United States of America knows that it did a gross injustice to Africans and their descendants. And the United States of America is also aware of the fact that if retribution were ever to be taken, seriously taken, not given, but taken, then they would have to answer for that. And the fact that there's the fear of that lies in the hearts of America or Americans, that in and of itself causes a level of fear, which that fear turns to anger, that anger turns to hate, and that hate immobilizes empathy. America, why Americans, liberal Americans, why have you not gone to bat for your African-American brothers and sisters? 
why have you, I, I don't expect the conservatives to say, hey, let's give, let, let's change the laws or, or let's provide some form of reparations. And I am not one to say every individual deserves a check for $100,000 because the way financial literacy within the schools is set up, every American, black, white, brown, Asian, no matter whom, Every American does not know how to manage that $100,000. But I do believe in tax-free grants to small black-owned businesses. I do believe in wiping out the student loan debt for every descendant of slaves in the United States of America. These things are, are instrumental in, um, in the development of black economic power. But America does not want that because, like I said, I believe that there's a fear that when when a, a level playing field is reached, oh, wow, we don't have power anymore, so maybe they'll come and, and pull a Nat Turner on us. But if, if people are thinking logically like I, like I am, which, of course, everyone thinks their thought process, process is logical, if you're thinking logically like I am, I don't want white people to die. I really don't. I could care less. I hope that white people thrive, but not at the expense of black people. And that's that's the challenge right now is white America is thriving at the expense of my brothers and my sisters and on the necks of us. Um, How do you, and not just black, right? So how do you complain about undocumented immigration when, if you're looking at the food source for the pandemic or during the pandemic right now, how many sources of produce are being picked by our Latino? Because let's, let's be honest, you're not worried about European immigrants. You're not worried about really um, Asian immigrants. You're worried about people from South America and Mexico and Central America. So let's be honest, you're worried about the Latino brothers and sisters who many times are the ones out there working these fields so that your family can eat. But you have a problem with, I hate to use the word illegal, but with illegal immigration, you have the problem with people who are not properly documented. Right now you need those people or your family would starve. And I'm just putting it bluntly. I need for the United States of America to take off the rose-colored glasses, look itself in the mirror, and say, we've done people wrong, but we're going to change that. But back to uh, Ahmaud Arbery, right? So we're going to look at the, the law, and like I said, I am no legal scholar. I'm not a, an attorney. I'm not a law enforcement officer, but I am aware of a few basics. In Georgia, or that part of Georgia, I'm not sure how their law is broken down, but within the area where Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed in cold blood, the law is that a citizen can arrest another citizen if he or she believes that a, that a crime has been committed. Also in Georgia, there is a version of the Stand Your Ground law, which was instrumental in 
the um, acquittal of George Zimmerman when Trayvon Martin was was shot and murdered. So you have a law that says citizen's arrest is legal. You have a law saying stand your ground is legal. Okay, let's think about how these work out in the situation that the table was turned and think about possible scenarios. Let's say that there was a white man who didn't look like he belonged in a black neighborhood and he was walking around peeking indoors. Then a black man who was armed yells, stop. You aren't supposed to be here. Pulls a gun out on the white man. Shoots that white man. How likely is it that the law would have forgiven that black man or failed to prosecute that black man for shooting a white man who didn't belong in his neighborhood? All right, that's that's scenario one. Scenario two, same situation. White man walking around the neighborhood doesn't look like he belongs. A black man pulls out a gun on him. Stop. You don't belong here. The white man then pulls out his firearm because he legally is carrying as well. He shoots back in self-defense because you've threatened my livelihood. I will stand my ground. Even though within the scope of the law, the black man had the right because, hey, I think I'm going to make a citizen's arrest. Those two laws contradict one another. If the white man did not do anything wrong, decides to protect himself against the black man who is making a citizen's arrest, at that point, who's right, who's wrong, and whose side will the court take? Because somebody has to be punished, right? I'm willing to bet, and you, if you're being honest about the, the pers- or the likelihood and probability of the way our court system works, you know that the white man will probably win in that situation too. Even though both are are legal, both are making um, ba- both are making decisions that are based on the laws that they are aware of. So where does the failure lie? The failure lies in the bias of the American judicial system and the favor that it always places on the Caucasian individual. So, or not always, often. I don't like to speak in absolutes. So it often places on the Caucasian individual. All right. So if we're really looking at the way this thing works, it's set up for african-americans to lose to white people now when it's an african-american versus an african-american more level playing field correct or when it's a white person versus a white person once again more level playing field but i'm pulling this this statistic out of thin air nine times out of ten the black person versus the white person will lose and nine times out of ten the white person versus the black person will win. All right. So that that's um, the Ahmad Aubrey, my position on the Ahmad Aubrey um, case. 
but we're going to jump to another case that that recently has um, hit the news, been in my in my purview, and so um, young lady was recently murdered by the police, Breonna Taylor. It did not. It has not gotten as much attention as the death of Ahmad, but it might. You know, it took two months for Ahmad to get his day in the media, which led to the day in court. Oh, what, before I get to Brianna, another question. Why does it take the media getting a hold of a story in order to get someone charged two months later? Had it not been for the media, we never would have heard about this. Or I, I heard about it by chance because I, you know, I keep a, um, an ear to the pulse of what's going on. But for the most part, a lot of people found out about this within this past week, and it happened in February. Why doesn't the court system just do what it's supposed to do from from jump? Is it because one of the murderers was a um, police officer? That might play a role in it. Was it because he was friends with the prosecutor? Once again may play a role this system is failing black people and we should not have to yell and scream in order to have justice served but I'm going to jump to the the murder of Miss Taylor so I've done some brief reading on it and police entered Miss Taylor's residence one with an incorrect warrant if they had one let me see hold on a second let me read this all right so yeah they they came into the wrong house so one they weren't even supposed to be there in the first place two the person who they were actually looking for was already in custody so that's poor communication and incompetence at um, at best, it's incompetence. At worst, it's indifference. And lastly, they killed her. So they, they've taken a life in a home they are not supposed to be in while the person that they're looking for is already in police custody. If this were a white family with resources and means and status open and shut the officers would lose their badges and if at best be um be fired at worst be put in jail for whatever the charge would be manslaughter murder whatever but what ends up happening is they kill miss taylor right miss taylor is dead Shame. Kenneth Walker, who also resides in the home, defended his home by legally opening fire to protect his house. Or it might not be legal. I don't know. But if you're not supposed to be in my house, you come in. We tell you or you're aware that the person or you should be aware, whatever, 
that the person you're looking for does not live there, yet you continue to insert yourself or force yourself into this place. And with the current state of, of race relations in America, you then open fire on someone that I care about or someone that is under my protection in my household. Kenneth Walker then shot back at the officers or officer. He wounded a sergeant and was um, taken to jail. The blessing lies in the fact that Judge Olu Stevens released Mr. Walker. Um, and the, the Louisville Police Department is livid, or Louisville Metro Police Department, they are livid because this black man, this nigger, decided that he was going to defend himself against America's no, you know, he was going to defend himself against the police officers who did not have a legal right to be in his residence. A police officer without the law behind him or her is just a citizen. I'll repeat that. A police officer without the law behind him or her is just a citizen. The second they stepped into a home that they were not supposed to be in, they became someone without the law behind them. And so a citizen entering my home, causing harm to my family, I then have the right to defend my family and defend my household. And anyone who, think, anyone who thinks any different is illogical. So when Mr. Walker decided, I'm going to shoot back because we've done no wrong and these people are infringing upon my rights, had this been a white person who had the support of the NRA, this would be an open and shut um, case. But because it's a black man, the Louisville Metro police officers are livid that a black judge allowed a black man to get off for defending his home against a system that promotes white supremacy. All right, so look it up yourself. Breonna Taylor, Kenneth Walker, Olu Stevens. I'm interested to see how this um, plays out. All right, so the last situation. <laughs> and this, this is the icing on the cake, but it's not so sweet. The headline reads, and this is from Newsweek. If you're questioning the validity of the source, I want you to know that it is what most... Americans would consider a valid news, news source. Headline reads, Armed North Carolina vigilante group, including police deputy, threatened black high school senior in case of mistaken identity. So there was a white girl who was missing, and a group of about 15 white folks decided to knock on her door because they thought this black, young, this young black person had the answers and knew what happened to the white girl. That is very, um, I, you, know, you know, it's identical to what used to happen in the day of my grandmother and my great-grandmother and her grandmother before her. We think that because a black boy wants a white girl so badly, he's willing to rape her or take her or kill her or trade her. And 
while there are black men, white men, brown men, Asian men, there are human traffickers and rapists and murderers in every race. The fact of the matter is that when a group of vigilantes decide to show up on a doorstep and abuse their the power of their numbers, that right there begins to look a lot like a lynch mob. And the history of America with black people in these situations is not a pleasant one. This young man whose door they showed up on was the wrong person. They had the wrong kid. He went to a different school. And what makes it worse is there was an off-duty officer who was from a different county, but still in uniform, that showed up with this lynch mob. And I'm going to call them what they are. They're not a group of vigilantes. They are a lynch mob. And I am willing to bet that had this young man pulled a gun out on his own property in order to defend himself and his mother who lived there, they would have shot him while on his property. Because when the officer has their um, has their uniform on, you're supposed to respect it, right? But if you're not in my area, why do I have to respect it? And this is, you know, one of my best friends, I'll say this quickly, one of my best friends is a police officer. I never want harm to come to him. But I also know that JR would never overstep his boundaries in order to get a a personal agenda fulfilled. He would never use his influence as an officer in the county of Durham to say, hey, let let me improperly bully people into thinking the way that I do. Because he knows that he himself is not sovereign. He knows that he is not always right. The problem is America has told white America that it is supreme. White supremacy leans on the word supreme. There's only one supreme being, and that is the creator. I don't care if you call him Allah, Yahweh, God, whatever you call the creator, that is the supreme being. There is no such thing as white supremacy, black supremacy, Asian supremacy, brown supremacy, and America has made whiteness its God. That's why Ahmaud Aubrey was shot and killed, whereas a white jogger never would have been. A white jogger, someone might have, might have assumed, hey, this person might be looking at the layout of the house to see if they want to buy it, and then jogging through. But because Ahmad was a black man, he was murdered. Was If the wrong White House was broken into by the police officers, there's, there's a good chance that if Breonna Taylor was a white woman, she wouldn't have been murdered. And had Kenneth Walker defended his household against it, he would have been seen as justified. Or for the young man in New Hanover County, North Carolina, there would not have been a vigilante group of 15 men and women or women, I'm not sure, showing up with firearms. America has made white supremacy a God and it has made, or excuse me, America has made whiteness a God. It says that whiteness is supreme and therefore I truly don't believe that Christianity is the religion of this nation. They say in God we trust that if God is whiteness then that is in whiteness we trust. We have to change our views. One. And two, black people, we have to arm ourselves because knocking on a door 
when you have no right to be on my property, you get a warning. You get a warning, and then then you got to get off my property one way or another. It is not illegal for black people to own firearms, and we have to arm ourselves in order to protect our households. Black men, if, if you can help it, right, because sometimes this stuff happens outside of our control, but if you can help it, don't die over a traffic stop. Don't run from the police because they said that you took a piece of candy and you know you didn't. No. Defend your households. Take care of your women and your children. Don't go out just, you know, for some some wild reason. Don't go out defending your rights. Go out defending your family. Um, but yeah, that's that's my three cents today. I'm gonna continue to enjoy my my sparkling wine. It's a pretty pretty good bottle. It's Mother's Day. Shout out to my mom. Shout out to all the mothers around the world. Um, yeah. America, you can be better than this, but you can't be until you let down your guard. You let go of your fear of black people and the retribution that is deserved. And you can't be great until you stop making whiteness your God. That's it, man. Hope you all have a good one. Thank you for checking me out. I hope that you all will subscribe. I hope that you will leave a rating, leave a review, and I'll see you again next week, same time, same place. This has been the Narrow Podcast. Peace.